So I run a program every summer in which we create what I would say is the Disney world of speech therapy. Like if we had the manpower or what could we do if we could do everything best practice and what would happen as a result? Howdy, SLPs, SLTs, speeches, etc., etc. It's time for another edition of the Conversations in Speech Pathology podcast. Your one-stop shop for EBP, EBP wannabe, hearsay, and occasionally just plain old rambling. Aha. On today's show, I'm welcoming Kelly Vess, a speech-language pathologist working in the schools. And I came across Kelly at the 2016 ASHA convention in Philadelphia, where I happen to have done my CFY. Uh, Kelly was a presenter of a poster session there, and the topic was using the complexity approach in children with speech sound disorders. She had completed a little study on this, and uh, the results of that small study were quite impressive, and I asked her to come on the show to talk about the results. And for those of you not familiar, the idea of the complexity approach is to target later linguistically marked elements that aren't currently in the child's system. And the idea is that you want to hopefully create a system-wide change, a cascading effect, they say. Um, I'm going to link to a great summary page on ASHA that talks about the complexity approach as well as other approaches. In addition to working in the schools, Kelly is a clinical supervisor at Wayne State University. And as you'll also hear, she's working on a book on speech sound disorders. So without further ado, here's Kelly. So my name is Kelly Vess, and I've been working for 15 years uh, with preschool-aged populations, three to five-year-olds. Um, and uh, they could have autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, articulation impairment. It's the typical caseload of 45 three- to five-year-old preschoolers each year. And um, I, my interest is in research. I've been doing research all throughout undergraduate, my graduate degree, and that's how it paid for my schooling. And I've been doing research after I graduated as well. And I've been very fortunate because even though I only have a master's degree, I've been able to wear two hats and play professor as well. And I teach graduate students at uh, Wayne State University as a clinical supervisor. And uh, what I do is I teach them, this is the research in articulation impairment, and this is how you put it into practice. So I run a program every summer in which we create what I would say is the Disney world of speech therapy. Like if we had the manpower or what could we do if we could do everything best practice and what would happen as a result? And um, so that's what I do over the summer for fun. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was great meeting you because you do so much more than therapy and you're like, and I do this as well. And, that's a, and, and I could just, you just thrive off of it. You're like, and for fun. Yeah. And, I, I wear a lot of hats that way. So you're, <laughs> Your uh, involvement with Wayne State University is it, yeah. um, these days, is it primarily in the summer or is it still throughout the year? It's throughout the school year as well. I'll take on a student at a time and I mentor a student at a time, but I run a program over the summer, um, which typically has about 30 students. 
and I'll supervise three to four graduate interns um, that are going on their second year. So it's really great. And and the, the reviews of me, they're always confidential, but they're like, she has the highest standards, exceptionally high standards. This is the hardest experience of my life, but it's the most rewarding. You know? So you know, it, the sky's the limit. And it's great to uh, have interns come in and to teach them the sky's the limit. And you can adhere to best practice, best practice on all levels, yeah. and you're going to get results. You're going to get results. And I myself, I have a caseload of 45 children, preschoolers, uh, just like most of your viewers that are working in the schools. And I adhere to those practices um, as myself throughout the school year as well. So, no. so uh, mm-hmm. let's get into a little more of that summer uh, program with the Disney-like atmosphere. Are you working with uh, kids from the university clinic? Oh, thank you. Yeah, these are these I, I work with. No, I work with my own uh, students from the early childhood center oh, okay. that come to my school, and they could have autism, they could have Down syndrome, they could have cognitive impairment, they could have articulation impairment. Uh, the poster I presented were on children with articulation and uh, and then could have language impairment comorbidly, um, but I have found this approach to be effective with children with Down syndrome and children with autism as well, which is very exciting. Ah, okay. So with that, let's get into it because uh, now I had I had taken a picture that didn't come out uh, okay. too well of your poster presentation. So I didn't write notes. I'm, I was trying to cobble together your original presentation. So I'm going to do my best to summarize okay. or to begin to summarize. So you were looking at. So I, you know, we're, we're talking about the complexity approach here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you were you had a small number, I believe, thirty preschoolers. Yeah, 30, which yeah. I consider kind of quite large, but okay. <laughs> so you had, okay, so you had 30 uh-huh. uh, preschoolers. 30 preschoolers, uh-huh. uh, 3 to 5 in age. Yes, uh-huh. um, Articulation impairment, now, they, I'm sorry, did they have any uh, language issues as well? Uh, any other comorbid diagnoses? within the group, we probably had a group of 60, we probably had uh, eight of them who had um, language issues as well. Okay. And I, and I compared, and I didn't see a difference in their achievement, even though they had language impairment as well as articulation impairment. Okay. And so these kids, they participated, it was over a seven-week period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 45-minute uh, individual speech intervention sessions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was administered by uh, supervised second-year graduate students. Okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. far, I'm good. Um, oh, you good. Okay, so now, yeah, I'm like, it's a little blurry what I have here, but it, it's working okay. so far. Um, okay, so the, the first question before we get in, into more of the, uh, the background stuff. Uh, within the seven-week period, were they doing any home practice? Uh, yes, they were. Mm-hmm. They were. And did you give them a, a set number of uh, minutes, or w- w- did, it, did it matter uh, who they were? Is it the same uh, dose uh, regardless? Uh, now, it, with the home practice, that is a, a, a home assignment that was handed, a hands-on project that was given to the parent. And this is where the Disney World component comes into play because there was an interview of what does the child love? So if the child loves Star Wars, the activity made it, may, have, may have been a Jedi I hope that's the right thing, or space station, mm-hmm. in which they put Star Wars characters on that space station and they practice their articulation phrase, can you scrape it to me to get the Star Wars characters? Yeah. So each week they would have this individualized activity of what they loved that captured what they loved to complete with their parent. Um, in addition to that, the parent received, I'm giving you all my secrets. I can't do this. I'm writing a book right now. <laughs> the parent additionally received a YouTube clip of therapy 
um, and it was directly modeled to them uh, how to um, how to cue the phrase that worked for the child. Okay. So that's where we get into the Disney world of therapy. It was so individualized. And what is your child's favorite book? What is your child's favorite movie? What is your child's favorite cartoon? What is their favorite sport? And um, we, we were able to take that and make learning even more meaningful. So you took their interest and did you actually make put all the materials together? So the actual um, activities, the manipulatives or whatever else they used? That's what graduate interns are for. And and this is, <laughs> no, the graduate interns only saw three children a day. So they, this is the part of therapy that I must admit that during the school year in my 45 uh, child, child caseload, I have a fun activity that I use with all of the students. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance. Yeah, so, so I fall a little bit short during the school year. But um, like I said, this is what makes it a bit of the Disney World going above and beyond experience for the child. Is and and it doesn't take long because people when I talk about the Star Wars station, you you know get clip art from Google and it takes a couple minutes to get all the character puppets and put them on a stick, you know. So got it. The, the kids, yeah. So um, okay. But, um, yeah. So I kind of jumped, but we kind of jumped to the frosting on the cake. But <laughs> okay. So let's get back to the mm-hmm. to the but method no, the, here. So no, the the kids. Um, so the the kids in this study, age three to five, the preschoolers. Mm-hmm. Where did they range in terms of severity? And that's a really, really great question. They ranged from severe impairment, we're talking less than one percentile, to mild impairment, where we're looking at, I mean, or no impairment, it's more of an enrichment, to a hundred standard score, and they had problems with later developing sounds. So what was exciting for me in my poster last year, you weren't there for that, I'm sorry for that, but the gains were made using the complexity approach across severity levels, and that's what I looked at last year. So it's an effective approach um, if you're super severe or if you're mildly impaired, you're still going to get nice gains. Interesting. Okay, so they're all over the place. And yet uh, you were basically, uh, you you had, I think, was it all the kids practicing uh, the same, over the seven weeks, the same uh, clusters? Is that correct? Or I'm not sure. Oh, you're good. (laughs) You've got a great memory. Yeah. Yeah. That's another very, very important piece of this puzzle. If the cluster was, can you scrape it to me, please? The complex uh, cluster being scrape, we put it in a sentence because language is continuous. It's, we don't speak in one-word utterances, and we do that right from the get-go. It's always going to be that same phrase, and they're going to repeat that phrase approximately 50 times within that 45-minute session across activities. Wow. So, yes, uh-huh. <laughs> And, and it's because the activities are very, very engaging and very, very fun. And they're going across six different activities. So we, we have, we've got the goods. So they're willing to pay a million dollars for it. Okay, so so many questions about this. How did you determine which uh, what your treatment targets? I know you had THR, uh, KG blends. How, how did you come up with all these? We looked at the clinical assessment of articulation and phonology in the results. And we said, what sounds do they need to work on? And this child needs to work on their S's. They're stoppers. They need to work on their fronters. They need to work on K as well. Uh, their gliders. They, let's throw R in there. So let's get three for the price of one. Yeah. You know, or maybe for instance, the child needs to work on the L's, and they also need to work on the S's. And maybe we'll do an SPL range. So, so we looked at what do they need to work on, and let's find a good target word. But they have to be able to produce it everything correctly given maximum prompts. So if I wanted to say scrape, and the child says scrape. I couldn't use that phrase, given maximum prompting. I, this child's still saying squape. 
So instead, I'll go for a squash. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Now, all the kids, in order to uh, participate or for these target words, they had to have some um, stimulability for this, correct? Absolutely. I like, yeah, and I like the way that you're thinking. You're, you're one step ahead of me. Right? It's yeah. like I know this stuff. Yes, m- what I've taught the, the, in the cues is multimodal cueing. So I trained the students in, in using prompt, and I trained them in using Kaufman, and I trained them in using Easy Desert for Apraxia, which are all popular. And then most of what they did is it's, what dynamic is, is you do what makes sense for the child. So every cue that they worked with the child was different because that's what got the child to do things correctly, mm-hmm. um, if that makes any sense. So even though they had this this tactile, I taught them how to do touch cueing, I taught them how to do visual cueing, what they created is what made the child do things correctly. And I'll give you an instance of that. Um, lip rounding. So if the child's saying splash instead of splash, mm-hmm. so maybe perhaps to get the teeth, the big smile, the, te- the, the therapist would actually have them touch the teeth, both ends of their teeth there, and say splash. Now she made that up, but yeah. it's more effective than a Kaufman cue or a prompt cue or easy does it cue. So dynamic temporal, tact, I'm sorry, dynamic tactile temporal cueing is all about you create a cue that stimulates that sound. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you're describing, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, there's best practices and then there's also what we do every day as clinicians. We come up with things on the spot. Um, yeah. We kind of yeah. blend with the, the art of being a clinician. So yeah. um, that is yeah. in- interesting cues we always come up with. Um, so you, you, I, I don't, before I get to the punchline, the gist of it, I want to make sure I'm setting everything up here. Now you, the big enchilada here, well, let me, let me back up for a second. Did you start off from week one, having the kids, uh, put this into that carrier sentence? Yes. Yes, I did. You did. So again, very interesting because, uh, I, I, it's probably what the majority of people don't do. They started at the word level. Um, and then they might put into a phrase like it's uh, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. So no, very interesting that they yeah. they kind of ran with it. Uh, so yeah. they all stimulable. They all could with multimodal cues produce these uh, blends. So yeah. let, so you had this as, again the seven week period. You had them target uh, SKR, K and G, L and R, T H R, and the punchline here. And I, maybe I'll call this episode uh, "Scrape for Success." <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that you you were, you're finding that the uh, three consonant cluster blends led to the greatest results. Yes. Uh, maybe you can summarize uh, what you your, your findings here. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, not only did the three consonant cluster give us the greatest results after five sessions, we had uh, it looks like 15 months worth of great worth of gains, um, which is quite impressive. Uh, but It gave us better results the more complex it was. So SKR is more complex than SPR. And that's because P pretty much naturally develops. But K, you're really getting acrobatics in the mouth. I'm I'm guessing here this is what I I believe is the reason why. Um, With SPR, we're looking at 13 months of gains instead of 15. But I think the more complex the three-element consonant cluster, the better the gains. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about different uh, manner and place of articulation. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. the the maximal of contrastive features. Exactly. Um, all these things are in the research have uh, been said to uh, yield better results.
At this point in the conversation, we started to explore the idea that the complexity approach is not necessarily endorsed by all of academia. I wanted to know what Kelly's thoughts were on this. I think we have to follow the research because the stakes are too high. And um, my friends that work in private practice, and you're included, you have five sessions, you have a month, you have a month to show standardized score gains, significant gains in a month. So the developmental approach hasn't been working. And uh, James Law, you probably know of him in his Cochrane Review of 2003, the Metalinguistic Review, found that we're not making any changes. It takes us eight sessions in his Metalinguistic to make any changes mm-hmm. in articulation. And that's a cut in funding. So I think we really need to change our ways and we need to follow the research. And my research is, is quite clear that the more complex, the stronger the gains. Um, and I, I'm And that's all I can say. I can only count to that. I got to follow the numbers, but the stakes are very high and we need to change our ways. I would even say, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know you're not supposed to say that, but (laughs) it's like the stakes are too high to be stuck in our approaches and what we've always done and the developmental approach. And uh, the the stakes are too high. Okay. uh, mm -hmm, Yeah. So that's all I can say. I can say before I followed the developmental approach um, and I did not get the gains personally in my work, uh, probably the first half of my career, first eight years of my career, I was following the developmental approach. And within a school year, the gains I would receive is probably on a standard score test, a standard standard test five um, maybe the child came in and the child was a 70 and a standard score and he ended up at a 75, 80. If I did a really good job for the school year, I don't know if we, something clicked, but typically in my school year, I will have a child in, in September that has a standard score of 55, one percentile. And by the end of the school year, and I'm saying this is typical, we'll have a standard score of a hundred. So, so, you know, anecdotally, you see this work year after year now. Yeah. Totally. Besides my, the summer program, I'm looking at which blends are more powerful than the others, and the more complex, the better the gains. Um, and I do think 30 is a, is a large N, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. So, but I mean, that's a, that's a large number. Um, but I, uh, yeah, that I'm, I totally, like I said, we we need to change our ways. The stakes are too high. That's that's my belief. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't want to cut you off, but I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You're looking mm-hmm. at the different. You know, I, I, this is just, um, since you started using the complexity approach, mm-hmm. would you say, if you had a guess, is there one factor that, aside from the, your, your target selection, that is more meaningful than another? For instance, you, you were saying in a 45-minute session, you might get the kids who say the sentence uh, 50 times. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, you know. Intensity. Is that is that intensity? Is that, a, do you think, a big factor in their success? Is it... The fact that you're putting it into a carrier phrase. What do, what do you think is a secret sauce here aside from the target selection? I just selection? want to know why are you taking my secret sauce. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to talk about the – I want to hear more about this book, by the way. Uh-huh. You know, there's a, you know, you're kind of like – you're kind of taking all my secrets. I'm kind of not liking that. But okay. I'm gonna, you don't, I'm you can share what you're willing to share. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to show you a little leg. I I really much think it's that I use for the entire school year when I work with a child. The phrase will be, can you scrape it to me, please? And that child will go from a standard score of 55 to 100 at the end of the school year. Why? Because the child becomes the teacher. And that's because I'm using the same phrase. The child is self-cueing 
And by the end of the school year, the child's saying, can you scrape it to me, please? Like that. Yeah. And he's also saying, Miss Kelly, and all of the other stuff, because he's thinking in his head, is my tongue back? Am I making the snake sound? Did I have a big smile on the R? Did I, so did I do a big smile with the L and the tongue is on the roof of the mouth? He's thinking about the rules. He's not thinking about what he's saying. He's thinking about how am I talking? Well, so, you know, so that that's the other thing. I mean, there's there's so many unique things to the way you've you, you've done this, and they, you know, one is um, again that intensity of practice, the fact that you're putting in a carrier phrase, and the fact that you're only using one word, one target word within that carrier phrase. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not using you know a core of ten or fifteen or twenty words. You're basically using one word mm-hmm. uh, the entire session, and you're seeing generalization across. Uh, you know, other untreated words and other sound classes. So I think that's, uh, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the next question I would have is to the extent you're comfortable sharing, how did you come up with this? Mm-hmm. Research. It's all research. It's, it's all research. So, so people, mm-hmm. it's in the mm-hmm. literature, people, um, researchers using, for instance, one target word. Yes. Then, okay. Rather than 30 different SL blends, uh, there's research to say just use one and you're going to get better generalization and greater gains in a shorter time period. So because the child's thinking about how they're speaking, not what they're saying. Yeah. So all of this, like, you, you, you know, you're like, do the parents think you're a little bit like, whoa, we've been doing the same thing all year. And that is really important. The initial meeting, you've got to sell them and you've got to tell them why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, I'm glad you bring up that point. Like, um. Well, crazy. Okay. No, this this is this is all amazing stuff. You know, unfortunately, over the last five six years, I haven't you know the whole um, I haven't been able to keep up as much with phonology research. Uh, mm. It's not my main thing these days. But um, <laughs> no, this is all this is all very very interesting. And what I the other aspect of this that I find uh, so compelling is the fact that let's go back to your 30 preschoolers who were in this, the fact that they ranged in severity and that this worked with all of them. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people listening to this saying that, you know, mm-hmm. th- that this is being way oversimplified, but um, mm-hmm. I'll have to say, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, is there, okay. So let me ask you about this book mm-hmm. that you're, um, that you're writing. Tell us about that. I'm really excited about it right now. Um, I, I've been approached and asked to develop a um, treatment of speech um, sound disorders uh, book, textbook with a digital curriculum uh, by an editor. And um, and I, I'm excited by that because I think there's a huge lag between the research and the practice. And I, I want to see, it, 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 like I said, the stakes are very high. Um, the child is going to lose ther- therapy. The child's going to lose services. And I, I would like everyone to know this is the research and this is what it looks like in action. Um, not only in book form, but in video form as well. Oh, that's so, nice. You can have video examples of therapy techniques and, yes, and see things in action. Yeah, but you're just spilling out all the beans here, so <laughs> i got to be careful with you. You just say, like, oh, I just don't I, I forget everything about your poster. What about this? And like, yeah, okay, I, I promise to wrap up soon. <laughs> okay, it's going to go. So I, I, I can see. You're getting okay. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I, I wanted to see, so before... Um, I let you go tonight. I want to make sure. Well, I'll ask you offline too. I'd love to get some of your, um, the references and the the picture that I have your poster, I can't really see the references. So I was hoping you would share some of those again with us. And I would love to, I'd love to. There are some leaders in the field right now that are really uh, changing articulation therapy as we know it today. 
And the, the, the researcher that's, that's really doing it, her name's J- Judith Gyrut, G-I-E-R-U-T, uh, out uh, of Indiana. University of Indiana. Yeah, yeah. you know. She's she's doing the research. She's doing the um, elbow. She's got the elbow grease. She's doing the, the groundwork involved in uh, changing the field as 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 we know it. As we previously have known it. Uh, and uh, Anne Lynn Williams, she's writing the textbooks. Um, she's she's changing kind of academia into the complexity approach and moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And then of course we have Jennifer Taps who with her SLPpath.com. Um, she's kind of doing a grassroots effort and like. This is kind of what therapy looks like. It's a little traditionalist, but it's it's based on the complexity approach. But yeah. that's what's exciting for me about my research is previously the complexity approach was kind of like it's acrobatics in the mouth. You could work on THR, you know, and, and or you could go to the three elements, which are better. But I think that what my research indicated is the specificity principle and that in TH, there's not a lot occurring outside of the mouth. So you're not going to get a lot of gains there. In K and G, there's not a lot occurring outside of the mouth, so you're not going to get a lot of gains there. Mm. But when you get into S, there's a lot occurring there. That's a hot spot. So I think that aside from the complexity approach and maximally distinct sounds, you also have to look at the specificity principle and what's going on where those sounds are produced. Is there a lot going on over there? And if there isn't, um, you might want to skip it. Yeah. interesting area that I want to share with you is I used to work on F. It's a complex sound. Um, F, I used to spend a lot of time working on F blends and I used to spend a lot of time working on K um, with three-year-olds. And I've, I've, instead I found that K will naturally develop if you work on L and R and F will as well. If you work on those three element blends, uh, SKR or SPL or SPR, you don't have to work on F and it naturally develops. So that's pretty exciting because F's a pretty complex sound. It, it K- is. Um, now, mm-hmm. I wanted to also, you have, you said a caseload of 45 kids yes. mm-hmm. throughout the school year, and you said that you service um, children with very diagnoses, autism, okay. Down syndrome, mm-hmm. cerebral palsy. Yes. Have you used yes. this approach with them as well? Like all sorts yes. of that? Di- you yes. were mentioning that, the, yeah, in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, children, for instance, with... Uh, down syndrome can have very uh, tricky speech sound uh, disorders. And, you know, that's a population that I've often uh, struggled with, but you Mm -hmm. found this approach to work with them as well. Yeah. I tend to find, I I don't know you, but children with Down syndrome I've worked with to be very visual. Yeah. So cueing has been really helpful and they, they, they got their hands up there making that snake sound, you know, holding their teeth. And when you're working with a population that's more severely impaired, I follow more the principles of motor learning in which you're using one sound at a time, but you're keeping them within two seconds of each other. So it has the automaticity of speech. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with a child with autism, I'll be like, make the snake sound. You know, everything is connected within two seconds. I'm breaking it down for them to be able to produce the word scrape. And then it, it, the pace quickens and they're going to say scrape. But I have to um, use the principles of motor learning and break down sound by sound and put them together. Does that make sense? It does. It, it does. I just... Um, as well. So. I, I suppose that I haven't... I'm sort of thinking about this. I, I feel like... I am thinking of particularly a couple of kids who have um, significant speech sound... Mm-hmm. disorders but i haven't i had never considered a complexity approach with them yeah really. so yeah i'll have to think about that 
Yeah, I, I find also when you're, I, you know, you don't like packs, but with the sentence strips or any kind of, I know you're, um, any kind of written, uh, I have them sound out every sound for the accuracy. Like if they're reading a strip, I, ooh, ah, mm, yeah. ah, ah, every sound to get that complexity. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I also start at the sentence level with them. I start wow. right at the sentence level. So, and, and I've been very effective with that. Yeah. So you, now, again, for um, those kids that you do uh, do that with, they do have to have some level of stimulability for this, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I always okay. go through, you understand, you work with children with autism and you do yeah. amazing with them but i always go through the visual door you know in order to teach the articulation of course um, of course yeah. so okay mm-hmm. so i uh, did we leave anything out that you want to talk about on this uh on your poster session or a complexity approach no it's no it's it's great talking to you it's i, I i'm very impressed with your amazing work that you're doing well thank you thank, thank you so much me. and mm-hmm. um perhaps you'll come back on the show after your oh, book is yeah. published to talk yeah. about it I'm not going to give it, I'm not spilling any more secrets, okay? Right. When, when right. are we expecting the uh, release date? Uh, I'm sorry? When, when's the release date? Do you have a target? Oh, I don't. The, the deadline is the end of the summer, So, and I'm working on it. It's, it's, I'm excited by it. I'm drooling as I write it. It's like, it's good. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it's, important. it's important work. You understand that. You take the research, and it's it's one thing. It's, it's just, it's coming in the form of bread, taking it and putting it right into practice. So. Yeah. Uh Well, lots of luck with that. I can't wait to see it when it comes out. Oh, thank you so much. It's so great talking to you. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. All right, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I'm going to try and put as many links as I can remember to put in for the show. Most importantly, you're going to see that poster session. Get a view of that, what that looks like. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, send those my way, Jeff at conversationsandspeech.com. I do want to make a couple of notes before I sign off. First is that uh, there's a little mention Kelly made about me not being a fan of PEX. Eh, I wouldn't say that. I still think PEX is a very powerful uh, intervention that can be used in uh, very creative ways these days. That's um, a blog post coming actually up. So check out the website on that. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is that I do want to do another at least another round of uh, another episode on the complexity approach, going a little bit deeper into the actual theory. I have some ideas in terms of guests and directions this this can go into, but um, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that for now. Thank you all for listening and I will see you next time.